This is Coda Radio, episode 535 for September 12th, 2023. Hey friend, welcome in to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, the software development, and the whole world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us, just wrapping up his keynote stream, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello. I'm now with 50% more titanium. Alas, I've lost my leather. Yeah, yeah, but but now you can say you're 70% recycled, which is, you know what, man? Might as well put that junk to use. You know, at some mornings, I feel like I'm more like 85% recycled. <laughs> no kidding, man. Uh, when when So we just got done watching the Apple keynote. Uh, from yesterday on September 12th. And of course, Tim comes out on stage. Well, they, you know, they do it around all over Apple campus now. And um, I knew we were in for a zinger. Uh, I knew they were at least going to really try to give it their all with that opening video. Did you catch just like the old like heartstrings of like dad getting a text message from his daughter saying happy birthday and it comes in on his Apple watch and and it turns out all these people are survivors that because their Apple Watch told them their heart's about to explode, they've all survived. And now they had their birthday since then. And I mean, they really went with the heartstrings like right away. Another buy our products or you will die. Yeah. And it's like, I think, I think it's like emotional priming. Mm. You know what? I mean, I don't mean to like just start frying bacon right out of the gate here on the old show, but I think Uncle Tim knows what he's doing. I think I think old Tim Cook is cooking us up some bacon here, and they hit you in the feels to kind of prime you emotionally to just be blown away by everything they do and to feel like everything's so great because, you know, they kind of get you in this state of mind, and it is a powerful video, and it's so well-produced, of course, and then they come in and they just, you know, make a quick mention of, oh, yeah, by the way, we, we do have the Apple Vision Pro and we do make Macs. We're just not going to talk about that today. Yeah, and then they leak thing that they're unlikely to release new iPads this year, which I thought was interesting. Um, not in the keynote, but our good friends at The Verge who definitely don't get it directly from the horse's mouth have that. I don't know. What was your your general... Well, first of all, we should, we should just say, speaking of people who love us, before we dive deep into the core of this Apple, I want to give some props to my man Satya at Microsoft. This is a pretty big story, and I kind of wonder why they didn't announced this after the Apple keynote. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think maybe like they timed it wrong and so it's just getting buried? I feel like if they had done this like next week, it would be the top story on ours and The Verge and all that. Microsoft is going to defend their customers who use their AI, uh, including CodePilot. So basically, they'll sop up that liability for you if there is any. That's kind of huge. And uh, something only a very few companies could actually offer. Right. And they must feel pretty confident in their, in their position, right? So I, you know, there's, I think we're going to have to see when this gets tested what actually happens. But definitely something we should keep our eye on. Because this, you know, a lot of the objections, especially you listeners have been bringing, is like the legal copyright, you know, violating potentially copyleft licenses, which may or may not be true, right? Who, you know, it's very gray. You have, uh, what is it, Sarah Silverman suing OpenAI? Yeah, a whole series of authors, yeah. Well, yeah, if you're a Microsoft customer using their version of the AI, you are protected in, you know, but obviously you can't like intentionally, right, do things. Another related story, OpenAI has, once again, and this time they came out and said they did nerfed ChatGPT to no longer do fanfic. 
What a shame. Or to no longer do it as well. What a shame. Yeah, I feel like it's a weird thing. That I, I, I think they're, it seems like they're running scared of the like intellectual property claims by creative folks. I could see, I could see Paramount cracking down on my Star Trek fanfic. Yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something, okay? Mr. What? Data what? and Mr. Worf have had some interesting encounters in my <laughs> ChatGPT generated fanfic. You know, going back to Microsoft offering legal protection, you know what it reminds me of? Mm. And it was a real sly move back in the day was you recall when Sco and a couple others were going around and they were just scaring the pants off of CTOs in that oh, category yeah. of of uh, of uh, IT layer about the legal concerns and IP threat around using Linux and that they made a big case that Linux was uh, going to be an IP legal issue for anybody who implemented a bunch of it in their infrastructure. And so certain companies came along and essentially offered patent indemnity. And so eventually they kind of came together and created a group, but initially it started with a handful of the rich companies offered patent indemnity, and then you got in, like, as a sales move, because you had that covered. That box was checked. You could take advantage of this great Linux stuff. It's going to save you a bunch of money, and we'll cover you on the legal side. And uh, it opened doors, and it, it led to a Microsoft and SUSE partnership that was extremely controversial as well. I mean, the whole thing was essentially a, a a judo move for big businesses to get into enterprise. And that's probably the only Linux kind of that was ever going to make it in those, in those environments anyways. But they took that bad situation, that legal uncertainty and they capitalized on it. And I think they're doing it right here, right now, again. And I think it's exactly the same strategy, right? Because most, you know, most uh, people who would sue about this kind of things are unlikely to sue, you know, small shops. Unless, of course, they're patent trolls, then they just automate those letters. Yeah. Remember remember our good friends? What was it? Uh, well, there were so many of them. Yeah, but the big one, the, the one where Apple ended up getting pissed off and like found some of their patents and invalidated them. Oh, uh, I don't remember. Oh, God. It was the in-app purchase guys. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, someone will tell us in the chat. The classic patent troll that, of course, I remember is the one that started going after podcasters who had playlists on their websites. Oh, that's right. Didn't he go after, uh, uh, what is it, Dan, uh, what's his name? He went after several people we know. Yeah. yeah. And it was the same thing where they just kind of like scraped websites, found this bit of code, and just started writing emails. I'd like to know what the audience thinks the long-term ramifications are of Microsoft offering this sort of legal protection. And if the audience suspects that maybe other companies like Google will step up and offer similar protections. Uh, if you're looking for an excuse to boost in, boost in with that hot take, because I'd like to know. Real-time update, Lotsis. Their name was Lotsis. Lotsis. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Look at you. They, I mean, they were going after like prominent indie developers who had like blogs, basically getting them to settle for nothing so they could go after bigger companies with the precedent. Which did, is, you get, did you get chat Chippity to answer that for you? No, I just looked it up because I remember... Well, I remember I got one, a letter that nothing came of it, where they wanted to sue me for syntax highlighting in Code Journal. It wasn't the same firm, but it was, you know, these are like shell companies with like one scumbag lawyer who probably smells too bad to go into a courtroom. Hey, what's up, Giuliani? Ooh, I like, you know, he and I used to be bar buddies, actually, so I should knock that off. Yeah, I know you gave him his hair dyeing tips. Remember that? that <laughs> and he gave helpful. me my eyeliner tips. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we are doing a double today. And uh, we have uh, a lot to get into, so I just want to qu say just a quick thank you to our members, our Coder QA crew out there. You get um, a special Coderly. Just came out, published it this morning. Mr. Drew got it all put together for us. 
And uh, I think it was a good one. We covered a couple extra topics in there, some of which will give you some extra context to today's episode and tomorrow's or next week's tomorrow's. <laughs> CoderQA.co if you want to sign up and become a member. You get an ad-free version of the show feed as well if you like, and you support the show. You can also boost in and support each production. And because we're splitting the boosts up, I'll give you a heads up. We're going to be reading some of the boosts in this message and a handful of them in the next episode. I split them up by theme, which all makes sense when we get there. But it means we're running real low towards our goal because we didn't reach our goal for this episode and we're not going to reach it for the next one because it's already going to be recorded. So if you'd like to boost in and support each production and get us back up into the black, get Albie.com, top that off with something like the Cash App or indirectly, then just head over to the thepodcastindex.org. You find Coda Radio and you can boost from there or get a new podcast app newpodcastapps.com. So the iPhone event really is just now sort of like the Apple fall event. It's not really the iPhone event because it kicks off with the Apple Watch, which, um, you know, it looks decent. I have to say across the board, all the, all the SOCs seem like they got a pretty solid improvement in performance and in battery use, uh, lower power. And uh, they added a new thing. They can now detect your fingers touching together. You can use it to pause alarms and musics and timers and stuff like that. They have now Siri transcription on device, at least more so. And they've packed in ultra wideband in there. So that way you can find it with the find my stuff. I guess it's, um, it's looking like a decent watch, but it doesn't fundamentally address some of the core things I have. Like, uh, I think it needs to be further divorced from the Apple watch. As somebody who now uses an Android phone, it's like, I'd like to have the Apple Watch, but have it either use my my Android phone better or not need a phone at all. And the other thing that I'm kind of disappointed in is they still haven't shipped the glucose sensors, which they have been supposedly working on for years. Yeah, I feel like that's a technical hurdle, right? That's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. And then I realized, Mike, when they do get the glucose sensors, you know what they're going to do, right? They're going to put it in the Ultra first for the first year. Oh! Uh- I, I don't think so. I think they, if they're smart, they could make deals with insurance companies. Way back in the day, my insurance company would be like, we'll give you a, a Fitbit if you let us track your data, which don't do that <laughs> unless you yeah. want your rates to go up next year. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I think that would be more mass market. I don't think they'd. I hope, I hope. Because, you know, with my wife being a type one, mm. I think if she had real time or close to it, like they do with the heart rate and oxygen, uh, glucose data, I think it'd be a life changer for and potentially a lifesaver, you know? Yeah, I'd like to see it, but also just a side note, positive signal for the Mac studio all over the Apple campus. Like every shot they had inside the campus, everybody had Mac studios at their desk. I should have bought a Mac studio instead of this MacBook pro. (laughs) I've been thinking it for months now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the, it's the Mac pro we deserve. So what did you think about their little, um, their little skit? To introduce the fact that they're dropping leather. You know, they're kind of where Mother Nature came down, like a fire-breathing dragon kind of Mother Nature who was a mm. no-sass, you know, don't mansplain to me kind of lady. And um, they had, of course, Obama's one an old Obama administration official there that now does the environmental stuff for Apple. She kind of introduced a lot of the initiatives they've done, and it kind of all kind of came together in the announcement that they're dropping leather across all of their lineup. I mean, it's fine, right? Do- did I care for the skit? I don't know. I thought it was whatever, right? You know, it took a long time. Yeah, is it, is it, a big chunk of the keynote. I, I'm kind of, uh, kind of at the point with these Apple keynotes now, where I'm kind of like just the facts, man. Right? I, I, I don't, I don't really care for like the heartwarming. I know some people do, and 
Maybe it's because I have no soul. But And we'll get to this when we get to the phones, but I go in thinking, okay, what is the new opportunity or enhanced opportunity for developers by these announcements? Not like how many times did they recycle something, something. I mean, it's good, don't get me wrong. I, I Obviously, sustainability is great. But kind my, my to be honest, my first instinct was, why are they doing so much filler? And I think well, I know why. <laughs> so I want to hear that theory. My theory, I'll tell you mine. I think they do it, and this is why I pay attention to it, is it's a sort of corporate virtue signaling. And often in these areas where Apple leads, others follow. You know, and this is something I'd love to be explained to me by the audience in a gentle way, please. But Lisa Jackson said something to the effect of our goal is to remove all carbon from the atmosphere. I think that's almost a direct quote. And Apple's a pretty rich company, so they could accomplish a lot. But I, I don't understand that goal because plants put off carbon. The ocean, especially as it warms, emits an incredible amount of carbon. Uh, we are made of carbon. I don't know how you take carbon out of the atmosphere completely, but that's yet their stated goal. That to me feels like virtue signaling. Like I really actually think some of the stuff they do is great. Renewable energy use, they can reduce their leather use. That's fine. I think 15 other case makers will scale up to meet that I was going to say, if I'm a third-party case maker, I'm like going full BDSM here now, right? I mean, <laughs> you're, yeah, like, you're all in. Yeah, I'm all You're in. trying to make the best leather case possible, and you're going to sell it for a nice premium, and you're going to make a bunch like of them. five alligators in my backyard right now. Maybe I'll just start making some bespoke <laughs> Coda Radio leather cases. So I think it's about telling both the corporate world that this is how we're better, and you need to compete with us in this arena – and while at the same time, it's telling the consumer, you can consume, consume, buy, 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 but don't feel bad about your impact because not only are we using like 78% recycled material and renewable energy, but we're also going to buy some carbon credits to offset what we estimate the lifetime charging of your device is going to be. So when you buy Apple, you're kind of helping the earth and everybody knows it. This is like uh, the old the old. Uh folk tradition or folk legend, I think, of the sin eater, right? Somebody dies, they make all these very sweet but nauseating cakes, on, and they put, put them on the guy's body. And there's this one person who has to just eat all the, you're eating his sins, right? So he can, you know, rest in peace. Apple's eating your consumerist sins here in a lot of ways. Yes, you nailed it. So that's my theory, why they do the skit, why they talk about it so much. I do think there is, I'm not saying it's all cynical, I think with all things Apple, there is an actual advantage to the company. Of course. There is a perceived advantage to the consumer, and then there is a bit of a cynical calculus to it because, I mean, after all, they are Apple. And when they can nail all three of those areas, they generally do the, they generally do the thing. That's my theory on it. I'm curious if you have a similar theory or a completely different one on why they focus on it so much. I mean, you know, I'm as much of a cynic as the next guy, and uh, depending on how many Elon, Elon teenies I've had uh, and how late I'm on Twitter – uh, I'm usually worse than you. In this case, I'm like, I, you know, I honestly think that they do believe the stuff they say about the environment. I think they do, right? Because they've been doing it for a long time, and they did it to their detriment for a while. Yeah, I agree. I think they they really have been probably one of the most aggressive of all the tech companies. I also believe that that little skit would have been half as long if they had a little more beef to show. I'm sorry, I mean impossible beef, right? Because I understand that the next thing they're going to get rid of is steak. So, well, great day for cows. 
again, maybe maybe we're being cynical, or maybe the audience is more cynical. We'd love to hear that. Um, well, let, let, let's just dive in, right? So yeah, okay. Let's go with the iPhone 15. What do you think? It's by no means a bad device, but I think in terms of like the the purview of the show, and you know who we are as like you know developers and creators. I mean, the camera being upgraded, I sure, right, great, but there's yeah. yep. this yep. this and frankly the Pro do not enable any new applications with with the one. Well, let me take the Pro separately because there's a couple asterisks there, but certainly the 15. It's, I mean, I just very. Can I can I fry some electrical circuits? Yo, why did we make electrical circuits out of bacon? That's weird. I was uh, using a very old iPhone lightning cable to charge my uh, 14 Max Pro, whatever it is. And turns out that uh, you should pay attention to the ends of these cables. Even if when they're brown, they short out. Yep. There's like a little bit of brown. I unplugged my phone, it died. I got some flack on Twitter, or as we call it now, Weapon X. Because, of course, there was a thought that perhaps spirits could have been involved. No, not in this case. But for $90, a after having to go to the Verizon reseller and yelling at someone who looked a lot like Doogie, Doogie Hauser, a woman from Asurion came to my house and just like handed me a new phone and activated it. That's nice. Brandy new. Right. 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 To, literally, she just did it and like sat at my kitchen table and set it all up. The only thing she couldn't do is because uh, the hard drive was fried. She couldn't transfer my uh, stuff, but I just did the iCloud download thing. That's even more rare in like a post-COVID world. You don't usually see that kind of service. Well, I asked her, I said, this is new. She said they started in COVID. Oh. Because they closed all the stores. Well, look at them, frontliners after all. God bless her. But, you know, I, I'm like, I'm looking at my, and granted, mine's a Pro Max and the 15. Other than USB-C, which I think it should have been for a while, I don't see a material material difference here on the 15 it's faster right that's great portrait mode i mean maybe a few guys out there and gals will make some widgets that get popular you know the thing is with the USB-C, it feels like a lot like the nfc chip when they first launched it really limited especially on the base iphone 15 really limited and developers basically get nothing out of it Maybe in five years, they'll start opening that up and then, you know, people can start building applications around that. There's a little more opportunity in the iPhone 15 Pro for that. So let's 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 talk about that then, the 15 Pro. Um, you know, I'm currently helping out the folks over at Alderaan with uh, their dinosaur game, Path of Titans, just making it more iOS friendly. And uh, their biggest problem is it's a console game, right? It runs on the... The Xbox, uh, I have a copy on the Switch, the Sony, all that good stuff, the Mac, whatever. And you get you can get memory issues on the mobile devices. So the girthy 17 Pro, I'm sorry, the well, the 17 Pro chip, first of all, the updated memory, which is apparently 8 gigs, which I'm sure there's 15 Android engineers right now who are just like, what? Only 8 gigs? What are you, what are you doing? And somehow Apple makes that work. First three nanometer chip, which something, something Taiwan, something, something Arizona. That's a wacky story that came out this morning. Apparently, Apple's buying the chips from Taiwan to sell everywhere and now shipping the chips they make here in Arizona or here over there in Arizona to Taiwan. Wow. Because that seems 
special, dumb. Yeah, but see, they're doing it on boats now, so they're using less fossil fuels than if they were shipping them on planes, so it's okay. Actually, because they made that deal with Mother Nature, you know the eagles from The Lord of the Rings? They're just going to fly. <laughs> gonna fly the, they're not doing any of that walking crap, no boats, you know, no, no light of the Evan Star. The uh-huh. Pro really got the nicer chip, right? The Pro gets the A-17, uh, which looks like a killer, and the Pro gets the USB-C with USB 3.0 speed, and the Pro also gets live photo capture out and live video capture out. Now, that feels like an area where at least hardware makers and others can start to, like, build something. Or the action button. Like, you know, it's kind of crappy limited, but you could... Somebody like, you know, David Smith could, with Widget Smith, could make something that works with the action button that essentially just fires off a series of shortcuts to accomplish what you want. It's basic, but at least it's something. I, I should say when I say developers, I don't mean, mean uh, David Smith because he probably has four apps ready to go already. Yeah, That man is prolific. Like he does not. He, every iOS release, he's got something. So the new GPU, also I like how uh, your friend, Nilay Patel, was pretty quick to point out when Apple is going on about gaming, he's like, that's because it's like 80% of their in-app purchase revenue. Yeah. Those sweet, sweet Candy Crush moms on the toilet buying those Smurf berries. God love them. How many keynotes for how many years in a row do you think it's been where Apple is like, console-level graphics now possible on the iPhone? I swear to God they say that every year. Well, it's, it's, it's true, but the problem is like you can't ship a game that just runs on this phone. Yeah. Right. This is the whole thing. Like, so for, for, uh, that's Titans, I have to port it. Like, make sure, like, I, I'm testing on an old iPad Air because it's old. Right. It, you know, it, it, this is, this is like the classic. This used to be something that really we only talked about in the Android world where, yeah, you can buy the, the most bang in Samsung you want, but you know, remember those crappy Dell phones? Oh, yeah. Or did you not? Oh, yeah. Oh, you got the, oh, I had a customer years ago who bought like 20 of them with intel inside they came with a truly impressive 15 minutes of battery life and barely any processing power which is an amazing feat to accomplish at the same time by the way but you had to program to the 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 lowest right the poopiest phone that the the customers have this is going to be the same this i'm i'm also i'm 110 percent sure this ray tracing crap only works natively in metal oh yeah for sure, right? And Apple hates Epic Games, so like, is Unreal gonna? Like, I'm sure they would like to, right? But th- there's gonna be some lag here. We have another story for the next episode about Unity. I don't know if you saw it being scumbags. We'll get to that. Yeah, I, th- I think what you're touching on is the dirty secret of the Apple ecosystem. They go up there and they talk about it's their latest and greatest GPU. Uh, they even said that it is competitive with some high end PCs. The latest GPU in the Pro. And they make a really big kind of presentation every year about the leap in capabilities. But what you just said is the reality of the game developer in the Apple ecosystem is you're building and testing on some of the oldest supported devices because the long tail of iPads and iPhones means that the majority of customers are not buying on the latest or even maybe one generation old. In fact, I believe statistically, like one of the largest generation of iPads is still 2018 iPads. They're still the largest cohort of active iPads is iPads from 2018. And then there's, you know, there's a tail drop off from there. So it, it, this stuff like 
the A17 Pro, since they may not even update the iPad, might not even land in an iPad until next year. This is the problem, is the Apple ecosystem. Unfortunately, the downside to the hardware lasting as long as it does and them supporting it as long as they do means that you're really limited by the lowest common denominator. And then on top of that, you're limited by Apple's very specific proprietary metal API. Instead of being able to just lift Vulkan or something equivalent, probably not DirectX, and be able to lift that and drop it on the phone, you, of course, have to move it over to metal. Even though they give you lots of tools to do that, that is still an entire job in itself. Then not to even mention the optimization for the low-end hardware. Right, and and the reality, too, is we're talking about these games. Um, By far, if you look at age groups, if you talk about kids, like my son included, uh, the iPad Mini is one of the most popular SKUs. And uh, those up until very recently were, were, let's just say they're not the fastest ponies in the stable, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and again, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like this. I just, I think it's weird how, like, first of all, who's playing like fully immersive 3D games on their iPhone? I guess if you're like on the train, maybe I haven't been working in New York for too long now, but. Kids? Dude, I gave my kid the iPhone once. To his credit, he called the client and was trying to sell him stuff. <laughs> my my youngest can do the first person navigation using touch like it's native to her. I mean, she just it's magical. She, she I've asked her before if she wants a controller or something. Nope, she doesn't need it. So some you know for some for some generations I may be. It's still it's so small this phone screen. Um, I don't know. I don't buy it. I just don't. I don't see it. Apple's got. Apple likes to tout that they're, they're a huge gaming platform, but I find the games still to be lacking. Well, they are, but, but, they're, but they're like casual games, right? So, so let's, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know. Should we take a survey of moms and ask them if they want ray tracing and Candy Crush? They might. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right? I mean, I play a lot of Magic Arena, which I ironically don't play on my phone because it's too damn small, so never mind. I mean, you know, I think our theory, I don't know if we really articulated it fully recently, but I think our theory sort of is, is that the longer Apple has maintained this path when it comes to their graphic stack with a proprietary GPU and a proprietary API, the longer they maintain that, the more they sort of self-select for a customer base that doesn't game. And I'm, not, I'm kind of with the, with casual gaming off to the side as its own category, but I'm talking serious gamers that want to play AAA title platformer games. You know, you're trying to move somebody from the Xbox. You're trying to move somebody from Steam or PlayStation or the Switch. They're never going to get those games because they're going to—they're basically self-selecting for a customer base that doesn't play that stuff. At least not on the Apple equipment. Don't you think? Like there's, there's sort of a, maybe a point of no return unless they fundamentally provide some new way to move games and lift them over to not only a different graphics architecture and API, but don't forget also a totally different CPU architecture. It just seems like they're too far gone. Yes, but but I, I think the thing is when you look at the gaming industry by revenue, casual games are pretty pretty uh, substantial, right? Yeah, I just don't know if I care. I mean, it does, well, you might not care, right? That's what well, I'm and saying, it doesn't yeah. seem like it doesn't. That's not what they. That's not what they demonstrate to us in these keynotes. Not really. They really focus on the 3D immersive, high end console competing games. Is what they really sell us. That's the dream they sell. And then you go to the app store and it doesn't look like that. And what I can see, oh, you just look at the app store charts, right? I mean, it's, I mean, I'm making a little bit of fun. at you know, most of my 
female relatives about Candy Crush, but uh, it's surprising how hooked they are. But it, you know, we could we could easily say Pokemon Go, right, or Magic Arena, or insert your pseudo not super intense game here. And it, yeah, I don't know. It, I I just maybe it, this could be an age thing too. Right, because I, you know, what, I bet, I bet our kids would totally sit there with like an iPhone and play a full 3D adventure game. Tailscale.com/slash coder. Head on over there to get Tailscale for free for up to 100 devices. It's a great way to support the show, and you can really build out a useful Tailscale network with 100 devices. Tailscale is a mesh VPN protected by WireGuard's noise protocol. Each machine will connect to each other. Tailscale provides some magic infrastructure to do the authentication, to pop into whatever like two-factor and OAuth system you might have for your existing enterprise, or you can use a single sign-on system as an individual user like I do. And uh, Tailscale is sort of like um, if you were going to build a VPN today, right? If you're going to build a VPN today with all the technology we have, everything we've learned about VPNs, you'd solve the stuff that sucks about VPNs. Like if you're an enterprise, VPN appliances, Oh, man, I used to manage a checkpoint VPN appliance with, like, dedicated proprietary encryption cards that were, like, $12,000 and had a yearly $10,000 support contract. I'm not even kidding you. And this is for, like, a 1,000 people. (laughs) Enterprise VPN solutions have been bad since day one, and they really haven't gotten much better. Tailscale flips the table because they let the WireGuard stuff do the hard work of encryption and protection. Of course, that's open source. We love it. And then they bring it together with their mesh technology, their authentication backplane, and then their tooling like their ACLs and Tailscale SSH and Tailscale Send and all the tools that you can use to really bring everything together. And speaking of that, Tailscale has recently partnered with Mulvad. Yeah, the VPN folks. And now you can use Mulvad's network of really high-speed global servers as exit nodes for your tailnet. This is going to be so powerful. I'll link it in the show notes because you got to go check it out or go look at their Twitter feed. They've got details at twitter.com slash tailscale as well. Tailscale is just the best way to bring your machines together. Doesn't matter if it's mobile. Doesn't matter if it's a VPS, a VM, or a container. Tailscale is the easiest and quickest way to get them all connected and create a mesh network between them across data centers, across architectures, across device types. It's really powerful, and now I'm, like, all in, man. I've built my work infrastructure on Tailnet. I've got my personal infrastructure on Tailnet. I've even got my kids on Tailscale, so that way I can securely connect to their machines and all of us can share resources on our private Tailnet. It's really great. It'll change the way you network. Tailscale.com slash coder. Get it for free for up to 100 devices, and you support the show. Tailscale.com slash coder. Well, I think to summarize the hardware... Um, I think it's a it's a harder case to make if you have a current generation right now about to be previous generation. But if you're on an iPhone 11, like my wife, maybe a 12, I think it's probably a pretty solid upgrade to go to the 15, whichever model you get. But even if you're not going to switch hardware, there is iOS 17 coming out. Probably by the time we're back, it's going to be on 80% of devices. I looked through this, Mike. I tried to find something that I thought, all right, this could be the thing we talk about that unleashes developers. Uh, uh, I don't really see it. Interactive widgets, I guess. That's exactly what we need, the worst features from Android. (laughs) And here we are in 2023, and I'm like, 
interactive widgets, which like I think Steve Jobs introduced on stage 16, 17 years ago for Mac OS. <laughs> God, like, this is where we're at. Yeah, this is this is it. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of other nice things in here. Some two factor stuff, offline maps and, th- and messages gets a nice bump. But I'm looking at meat on a bone for developers. I don't see it. I do like the improvements they're making to iOS 17, and it does absolutely seem like a worthwhile upgrade. The reports have been pretty good. The beta cycle has been pretty smooth. And uh, what I'm looking forward to on iOS 17 for Apple TV is frickin' VPN support. That's going to be a game changer for streaming content. So that stuff is really great. Uh, yeah, no, this update seems like it's more of a quality of life update for the Apple apps themselves. Uh, some security stuff. I, I don't think it's a bad update, but again, it's the developer story I don't think is really there in terms of new APIs. And we knew this at WWDC in June, right? This is not new information. Yeah, every now and then they save a few things that are really cool. And they announce the new hardware. Like, and by the way, we've been hiding these APIs from you this entire time. Not the case, I don't think. Like the glorious Snow Leopard where they had like Grand Central Dispatch and a bunch of uh, concurrency <laughs> and threading stuff. And I got Snow Leopard in. Yeah, you did. Good job. If we miss something, let us know. Before we move on, there's just sort of an interesting dark cloud over the day today. And it is the beginning of a coming winter that may last may last a decade. The U.S. versus Google, where the DOJ argues that the company has illegally protected its internet search monopoly via making special deals with smartphone makers so that way they default to Google search, thereby paying them to kind of dump on the market. And the DOJ is going after Google for antitrust and opening statements are underway as we begin. There's no jury in there. It's just opening statements to the judge, but it is sort of the official kickoff of what could literally take a decade. Oh, great. Another Google trial for 10 years. It's been great. So excited. Yeah, it seems the core argument, so the the... DOJ's argument is that Google paid billions to be premier default search on all these platforms. And the counter argument that's coming from the Google side is anybody could have changed their default if they wanted to. They stuck with us. They stuck with us because we so good and our products so good. And that's why we so dominant come at us is basically the two positions as I can summarize them. I don't know. That's right, Google. Your users who you've hooked can stop whenever they want to. They just don't want to. Nicely done. <laughs> and that first Google Talk was free. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Mick Zip or MCZP comes in with 25,000 sets, and he's our baller today. Uh, I can't believe the Azure uh, Australia East region has less people than the D- than in the data center than we did at my previous job at a research university. Granted, we supported quite a few machines, but I'm sure it's nowhere near what Microsoft is supporting in that region. It's irresponsible to say the least. Do more with less. It's good for the synergy. <laughs> yeah, I was still surprised too. Although Wolfman 2G1 came in with 10,000 sats. And he said, as a lead systems engineer managing thousands of servers across the globe and a wannabe dev, it's not uncommon for data centers to have very few on-site staff, especially after hours. Modern facilities are so automated and monitored that it's difficult to justify having folks sitting around doing nothing for 90% of the time. Yes, major failures happen occasionally, but those are so rare that it's not usually an issue. 
In fact, it's so rare in my 15 career, I've only had it happen once. I see the logic if you've got it. But then the automation failed Microsoft and the fact that they only had three staff on site became a key bottleneck. And it's just like you're paying so much for these cloud services. Also, like you have the unlimited Smaug-like resources to indemnify your clients for your AI products and code pilot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yet you couldn't hire like two more engineers. I don't know, it seems. Yeah, and the ones they have hired are temporary until things are, you know, everybody's forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, a lot of things are run with duct tape, right? I get it. So it's fair. Yeah. It's fair. He's, he's right. But it, it's just... There, there's a level of like priorities here, which actually, when we have more time, we should ex- maybe think about a little deeper. Why is it so important for Microsoft to basically create a bulwark against uh, these legal threats to folks using CodePilot? I'm gonna, you know, what? I'm I'll fry some bacon right now, right out of Seattle. You did you wait? You know, we got sea water in that bacon, right? You know, oh, careful, it's a little salty. Uh, this all began with GitHub, right? When they started putting those yeah. click to deploy to Azure buttons on GitHub and VS Code and uh, the really cool new, um, I can't say it's a whole new package, but the kind of new amalgamation of packages for the C-sharp stuff on Mac and Linux and Windows. Uh, but of course, it's really targeted at Linux and Mac for VS Code. Um, the By the way, we'll talk about it in the next show, but VS Code support for basically everything? Yeah, I feel like their plan is you will join their cloud. You will be assimilated. And you will be protected. We will take care of you. It's all going to be fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rotted Mood comes in with another Baller Boost 25,000 sats. In the recent Weapon X talk, it's bad that I just want Twitter to now just crash and burn. I'm sure it's just me wanting to watch a rich crybaby not get their way. Or maybe it's just me missing the days when the internet wasn't just a giant monetization scheme and privacy nightmare. I don't know. But I'm now sick of listening to someone who thought a single character name was creative. Well, the worst part is he keeps using the same character. And a number of his kids have like weird names that begin with X but aren't like names that exist in the world. And in the Isaacson biography that's coming out, he reveals that like before he even had made an offer and he was considering buying Twitter. He was thinking, Hey, it's our chance to do our idea from 25 years ago. Like this is it. <laughs> it was a line of thinking. Does he not know that X also means porn, right? Like, or booze, but usually porn, right? Or death. I suppose it could mean death too. True death. Like in the old Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like, yeah, I, I've been using it again, but it's not the same. And there's actually, I think a lot more vitriol. Like I, I mean, we shouldn't go too deep into this, but I, you know, I hear the criticisms. Like I listen to other podcasts and they're like, he's so right wing. I don't know, man. The lefties are pretty hardcore on Twitter these days, or, or I'm sorry, weapon X. That's right. Cause they're all Cyclops fans. That's why <laughs> and they're fighting over Jean gray. I got it. Never mind. Oh, it's like even my magic, the gathering Twitter feed, which I know you want to hear about all the time. It's like, we have we have nerds who literally invest a good portion of their paycheck into cardboard little pieces of paper with wizards and uh, literally transformers on them. And there is a My Little Pony set too, if you were wondering, that are now fighting over if Twitter is evil on Weapon X. Yeah, we uh, we're kind of a problem, and uh, we kind of fight over everything. It's uh, it's. You know, Elon wants to take us to space. I'm not so sure we deserve it. I don't think we're ready yet. Uh, We'll see. 
Remakeogen comes in with 10,000 sats. I've been watching a lot of Mossy.Earth on YouTube recently and seeing the novel tech they're using for wildlife surveying is fascinating. I imagine being able to contribute to a niche like that and then be able to stand there in nature, watch it improve directly due to your work. It must be so rewarding. Again, it goes back to just seeing results from what you're doing in another way. And then also, other than something like money or stress levels. You know, to this to this note, last night I was driving home. And I'd, I'd finally got a check engine light cleared on my car. I'd done it myself. And the car was finally all working after like clogged catalytic converter. And then I got like this bad ABS sensor, but I got a workaround right now. I got finally, it's like this car's doing good. I'm 10 minutes from home and I get low tire pressure pullover now. And I'm like, well, how bad could it really be? I just checked the tires two days ago. How bad could it really be? So I do the right thing and I just keep on driving. And uh, I notice as I'm about five minutes out from home, still on the freeway, of course, I'm doing like 80 miles per hour. Uh, I notice that the wheel's starting to wobble a little bit. That seems like a bad sign. So, uh, Scooby. so I do the right thing and I just speed up a little bit so I can get home quicker and uh, get down, get off the freeway. Thankfully, traffic's not too bad. But by the time I'm pulling down the road to the to the driveway, I got full on wheel wobble and I can hear whoop, 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 and I can feel the the wheels really kind of out of air. And I'm like, well, I got one more minute to drive and I could just stop here. or I'll just keep on going. So I figure keep on going. So I pull in, and of course, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I'm like dragging it, basically. I get parked in there, and I have my flat tire. And I thought to myself, well, that's a real, that's a real something you could get frustrated about, considering I just finally got this car all working again. And then on the drive home from that, this literally happened. But then I thought, you know what? I don't need the car right now. I got a jack. I can change a tire. It'll be a chance to work on something that I can fix in a relatively short window of time. So I'm just going to, you know, jack it up, leave it, and I'll come back to it in a week or so when I need a little project and a win. And I'm not going to look at it as a bad thing. I mean, it sucks, but, man, cars, dude. This car is haunted. As soon as I fix it, something else happens every single time. That's what happens when they get older. Neural P sent 15,000 sats just to say a quick hello, and Forward Humor sent us a row of adorable little ducks. Michael and Chris, I always enjoy your candor on the show. No one has to ask, how do these guys really feel? Coda Radio has a great take on current events and almost always includes some perspective from the past decade, which is unique and appreciated. Keep telling it like it is. I think he just called you old. Yeah, we're old. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, who boosted in. That's all it for this episode. Uh, we'll have the total in the next episode and a few more boosts. Uh, and uh, we'd love your help getting to the 200,000 sap mark for each episode. We're going to be well below it since we're taking a couple. Uh, we're taking next week off, but we're pre. We're actually it's weird. We do more work, right? Because yeah, we just recorded the Coderly, which is an extra show. Just did the Apple Live event, which is like an hour and forty five minute stream. And now we're doing two doubles. Then when we get back. We're doing more doubles, but because of the schedule, the boost might be down. So if you've been on the sidelines, and you want to step up, you can just get Albie.com, Go to get Albie. Then once you top it off, go to the podcast index, find the show on there, the Coder Radio Show, and boost in from the web, or get a new podcast app, or Become a member and do the monthly thing at coderqa.co. We appreciate all of that. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the people before we get out of here? Uh, go to alice.dev. And if you need uh, any kind of Ruby, Python, or I guess iOS development done, but actually, no, not iOS development. I'm sorry. Haha, I'm booked. But any, uh, yeah, Ruby dev done, let me know. Mm. Okay. What about secret robots? 
What about secret lover robots? Now we're talking. Yeah. Hey, hey, Chris, you know, they got a new input and output uh, schema too. (laughs) Now there's an API we can use. Uh Uh-huh. Where's that keynote? Just don't overflow that buffer if you know what I mean. All right. Well, uh, if you still got it in you, you can find me on Matrix, coder.show slash Matrix. Not for long once the love robots come. <laughs> links to what we talked about today. Well, I don't know. I suppose there's a couple of links. We talked about the event. I don't know what you expect, but maybe we'll have something for you at coder.show slash 535. You can find our RSS feed and our contact form over there as well. We won't be live next week, but you can always go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to uh, catch the show's lifetime in your local time. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week.